The mothership, man, let us know where we is, man, where we at. We in Inglewood, the city of Inglewood, California, inside of my studio, the mothership, the compound, something that I built years ago. This is like eight minutes from your home stadium at the SoFi. I wanted to have something that was in the city of Inglewood that could be here when I'm gone, something that could be symbolic to what I've done as far as musically, you know, visually, and just, you know, giving opportunities to a lot of artists that's, you know, coming out this way. So that's what we're inside of the mothership right now. I really appreciate it growing up. I've always been a fan, man, movies, music, obviously, man. Just how did it start? What made you want to do the music stuff? I wanted to be an athlete in the beginning. You know, I wanted to be a basketball player, football player, all of the above, everything, because I went to Poly High School, so home of scholars and champions. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Home of scholars and champions, Long Beach Poly. I think right now we got Mark McMillan on the horn in the LBC. I think he's hanging out at a restaurant there. and Nice enough to carve out some time to talk a little football before big game number 56. What's up, Mark? Hey, what's going on, man? Yeah, I, I see you dropped the LBC uh, uh, the line on it. That was pretty nice, man. We just don't have Snoop Dogg in the back. Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we were playing a little audio coming back with Keenan Allen and, and Snoop, so I uh, figured I'd do it. So what are you doing down there? I'm here, uh, you know, visiting my family. I uh, played in the uh, charity uh, golf tournament yesterday for the uh, NFL alumni with Bardos, uh, Barker Falk, and all those guys. So it was a good time, man. I always get to see uh, former players and, uh, you know, smack the ball around. And, and uh, all the money goes back to proceeds for a great call. Any good conversations? Anyone you hadn't seen in a while? Uh, I would say Marshall Falk. You know, actually, you know, playing against him so many times, you really don't get a chance to, uh, you know, talk to those guys. But you know, you, you admire what the, the body of work that they've done, and um, you know, even watching them at San Diego State, and you know, just chopping it up and playing against them while he's with the Rams, and now the Rams are here in the Super Bowl. So it's exciting times for him, and, and as well as the uh, Rams organization. Mark McMillan, football insider, former Eagle, former Chief, uh, host of teams around the NFL, Niners and Commanders and, and Saints as well. By the way, I hate the Commander's name. I don't like saying it. I don't like it. I know when you said Commanders, I was like, Commanders? I was like, what team? I'm still used to the, uh, the Washington. Washington. I, don't know if it's, I don't know if we can say that on the air. Can we, really, can we still say the old name? Well, you technically, you, you, play, you didn't play for the Commanders or the football team. You played for the Redskins. I play for the Washington Redskins. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, yesterday, last night was a really big moment for the Raiders. There were so many Raiders fans who wanted Cliff Branch to get into the Hall of Fame, and unfortunately, he passed away in 2019. I want you to talk about, you know, Cliff Branch and his role in the NFL, and you know what a big part he was of Raiders history. Oh man, like I said, I grew up a Raider fan and grew up watching him play. Uh, you know, in Oakland and. Um, you know, the number 21, everybody wanted to wear the number 21. You know, it's remembered as Dion and Eric Allen wore that number as well uh, in the National Football League. But when you talk about Cliff Branch and, and the way he went about his business and the way he ran routes uh, and even meeting him in person a couple of times, you know, just a really, really great guy. Uh, you know, I know Belitnikov got a lot of accolades as well, but it's almost like Jerry Rice and John Taylor. You know, there's no player at Belitnikov with the numbers he put out without Cliff Branch. And there's no Jerry Rice without John Taylor uh, on the other side as well. So it's almost like the same scenario. Um, huge for the, uh, you know, Raiders organization to be able to get uh, Cliff Branch finally in the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, especially with John Madden passing and all that. And, you know, years before that, uh, you know, Ken Stabler getting in. So kudos to the uh, Hall of Fame for getting this one right. And, and Branch, going back, uh, you know, those college days, he was an NCAA champion in the 100 meters. Right, and, you know, a lot of people don't know that. You know, it, it goes to show, as well as Daryl Green, 
who actually could have been on the Olympic team, uh, you know, with the Washington Redskins as well, you know, beating Carl Lewis actually in college uh, in a race. But Cliff Branch, man, he could take the top off of any defense. And I just hope the listeners uh, really go back and watch some of the film and watch the way he carried himself on and off the field and the way he played the game. Uh, he was a world-class sprinter, and everybody knows Al Davis likes those, uh, those sprinters. Oh, yeah, the vertical game. You know, the other thing we should mention, too, is, um, you know, of all the former players that uh, Mark Davis may see and roll with, like, he was really good buddies with Cliff Branch. So it's kind of been a devastating, uh, you know, year and a half for Mark Davis. Uh, Mark Bedane, one of his you know friends, walked away from the organization before this season, and losing Cliff Branch really hit him hard. Yeah, it was, it was really tough. You know, it's been a rough a couple of years for the Raiders organization in whole, and it just goes to show you the resilience of the organization. I know, you know, I take shots every now and then at the Raiders, but, you know, what they've been through as far as the organization, and um, you know, the Raider brand is so popular. And like I said, I grew up a Raider fan. I had the 21 jersey growing up. You know, I'm in the, I'm in the park thinking I'm Cliff Branch growing up, and, you know, the impact that he had on, on that little kid for myself, you know, meant a lot. And, you know, like I said, kudos. Kudos to the uh, Hall of Fame organization for getting this one right. Uh, congratulations to the Raiders for getting another legend uh, like Cliff Branch to the Hall of Fame. So, Mark, how do you think this is going to work with uh, Jalen Ramsey and Jamar Chase in terms of how much Ramsey is on him? Oh, my goodness. I am so excited, man. I am, like, salivating at the mouth for this opportunity to see these guys uh, go at it. And, you know, like I said, they use Charles, uh, you know, Chase in different scenarios, so it's going to be hard for Jalen to – travel with them, you know, because they have other weapons as well. Um, you know, with Higgins, uh, we don't know if the tight end is going to be able to play. He said he's going to play uh, for the Bengals, but it's going to be a great matchup. And, uh, you know, I love the way Jalen plays the game. I love the way Chase plays the game. They're both physical guys. Uh, you know, people don't know Jamar Chase is a big guy. And, you know, he's not a small guy, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see how those guys match up. Who do you have more confidence in a quarterback? Who's going to have the bigger game, Matt Stafford or Joe Burrow? Uh, this might shock a lot of people, but I have more confidence in Joe Burrow, Smoking Burrow, than I do with Matthew Stafford. Uh, you look at the way, you know, Joe's been playing in the playoff game. Uh, I don't think he's had, what, no more than maybe two turnovers. And, you know, Matthew Stafford is known to turn the ball over in crucial situations and put the defense in the bind. So I have all the confidence in the world in my man Smoking Joe Burrow. That name is going to stick sooner or later for him. How long do you think it's going to take? Say the Rams win – this Super Bowl, how long do you think it's going to take, or maybe it, it, it never happens, where Rams at SoFi, non-Super Bowl, will actually have like a 70-30 crowd, an 80-20 crowd with their fans in favor? Yeah, it's going to be electric, I'm sure, in the stadium. Uh, you know, There's going to be fans from all over. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bengals had more fans uh, okay. in the stadium this Sunday than the Raiders, I mean, than the Rams. And that's not shocking because you look at the game uh, a couple of weeks ago, the 49ers dominated the uh, stadium. Um, they had large numbers. When Kansas City comes to town, they dominate the stadium. So it's going to be pretty interesting, man. Bingo, Bingo, Bingo Nation is excited. Uh, and I like what they're doing with the former players as well, especially with Icky Wood, guys that built that franchise. Uh, keeping those guys involved is it, it, huge. And, man, I'm, I'm happy for Icky. Icky's not even playing the game, but just being a part of that organization, I'm sure he's excited. All right, Mark, so who do I bet? Who do I bet? Uh, the, uh, the Bengals are getting four in this one against the Rams. Uh, I know you're in Vegas, Steve, and, uh, you know, it's kind of tough. I, like I said, my heart says the Rams, and well, I've been kind of right with my picks of late. Uh, you know, I didn't think they were going to go beat Kansas City, um, but they, they pulled off the big upset. I'm taking I, I'm taking the Bengals. My heart says L.A. because I'm from here, but I'm taking the Bengals, Steve. 
And uh, remind me again, I don't know if you said it right at the beginning of the conversation, you are going to watch the game down there? I am going to watch the game. So I'll be excited, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a homegrown L.A. fan, but I just have a sixth sense that the Bengals have that much confidence and with smoking Joe Burrow to playing. And the way they defense plays as well, and where they're able to control the clock, um, they always come from behind. They're going to be in the game for 60 minutes, so it's going to be pretty interesting. So I am picking the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. Mark, we appreciate it. Have a good time tonight. I uh, appreciate you, my man. There he is, Grillin McMillan, Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, Mighty Mac. 364 364-1100. Let's do a giveaway right here. Caller number seven. We'll give away a Porta Subs tailgate tray. That's the six-foot classic sub all chopped up. You can get your own six-foot sub tailgate tray at one of the 20 Porta Subs locations around Las Vegas. Winner today also qualifies to win a new Yeti cooler, 364-1100. Caller number seven, thanks to uh, Port of Subs and also also, uh, Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas, 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. If I were the Rams, I would double Chase, and then I would put Ramsey on Higgins. Will they do that? I'm not sure, but that's what I would do. I I think Chase proved enough. You don't want to isolate him. I don't care who you're playing. Look, if you don't think they're going to do that and they're going to roll the dice with Ramsey, then I think that Chase has a good day. Now, back to Cofield and Company. On ESPN Las Vegas. Ooh, that was interesting. Jamar Chase is obviously a big topic going into this game. Stanford Rout played cornerback. That was Tim Hasselback who played quarterback. What does he know about this? Uh, Stanford, how you doing, buddy? What's going on, fellas? Uh, man, it is that time of year. I cannot yep. wait for the big game on Sunday. What do you think of that strategy call by Hasselback saying that they should double Jamar Chase but then put the best cornerback on the Rams on someone else? Yeah, actually, uh, I know uh, Bill Bell, he did that a couple of times back when he had Asante Samuel years ago, maybe about a decade ago. I've actually heard of that philosophy where you can put your top corner on the other teams, the opposing team's top receiver. But because of the way the rules have been played or the way the, the rules have been have been modified to go ahead and give the advantage to the offense and the way the teams now have these aerial passing attacks, no matter who you have you're not going to be able to go over there and just completely shut down zero catches, zero yards, the opposing team's number one receiver. He's still going to be able to make his plays. That's why he's the number one receiver. That's why he went to the Pro Bowl, all pro, things like that for Jamar Chase. But you put your top guy on the opposing team's second receiver. Well, then if he's your top guy, he should be able to erase the second receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then you double the uh, the number one guy on the opposing offense. That way you can go ahead and actually ensure that it's going to be more of an up, of an uphill battle or just uh, more of a, uh, a pedestrian type of day for that number one receiver. So, yes, I have heard of that type of mindset. I have heard of that ideology. It's nothing news to me. There are different types of receivers, Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup, right? I'm correct on that? In <laughs> uh, more ways than one. <laughs> well, tell the tell, tell the audience. Tell the audience because they're both. I mean, the number. You know, Jamar Chase is a rookie. He had an outstanding year and really came on in the second half. He's unbelievable with the yak. Cup is just. I mean, he's just been a monster anywhere on the field. Uh, he, you know, Stafford's finding him. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, like I said, they're both two very fine receivers, no doubt about it. You know, you see Cooper Cup having this historical year. You see Jamar Chase breaking the single-season receiving yards record for the Cincinnati Bengals as a rookie, mind you. So, uh, obviously, big ups to him. But the main difference is Cooper Cup, he plays primarily in the slot. You know, he's very good at finding the honey hole, or should I say the soft spot within the defense, being able to go ahead and manipulate the safeties, the linebackers, things like that. And then when you have a big, strong-arm quarterback like a Matthew Stafford who's able to throw the ball over the middle, who's able to put the ball in in tight windows, and then when you have a savant to the level of the Cooper Cup mentally, that's where you can see that Cooper Cup is not somebody who's going to go out there and run a 4-3-40. He's not going to have a 45-inch vertical jump or anything like that, but that doesn't matter. It's a game of football. This is not the combine, so he's able to go ahead and still be very effective as he's been all season long and pretty much having one of the most prolific seasons that a receiver has ever had in the game of football. And conversely, when you look at Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase is more of an X or a Z receiver. He resides outside the numbers. That's where you have more of your bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic type of receivers outside the numbers. And for a guy like him, somebody that you can also hand the ball off to maybe on a jet sweep as he did a couple of times against the Las Vegas Raiders in the wild card round. But somebody who could go up there and make the big strong catches, somebody who can take a five yard hitch and then take it 80 yards as you saw the long touchdown that he had against the Kansas City Chiefs back in the regular season when they played several weeks ago. So obviously they're both effective. They just go about their efficacy in different ways. And that's why this game of football is so great because it's more than one way to skin a cat. Stanford route, the former Raiders up with Cofield and company, you know, the betting, uh, you know, the betters and the books are showing so much respect for Cooper cup. He's actually a pretty sizable favorite on. Yes. He will catch a touchdown pass, which does not happen. I mean, you don't expect the guy to catch a touchdown pass in every single game, but he's a, he's a minus minus one sixty favorite to catch a touchdown pass on the other side. Do you expect Jamar chase to be used at all in the running game for the Bengals? Uh, if you're looking at odds on this, I think his over under is, one carry and the the over is a favorite. Do you think they'll use him a bunch on the ground? Well, I don't think that they're going to be using him the way the 49ers use Debo Samuel uh, no, by any stretch, no. but I do believe that you're going to see the ball in Jamar Chase's hands, whether it is on a jet sweep, whether it is on a simple receiver jailbreak screen. They're going to get the ball in his hands and let him make plays. We already know that the Los Angeles Rams have a ferocious pass rush, so you want to get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands very quickly, whether it's going to be on, like I said, the jet sweep, whether it's going to be the quick screen to the receiver, things like that. You are going to see extended run plays, uh, what have you, from a Jamar Chase, like I said, it could be a simple toss sweep. It could be a jet sweep. It could just simply just throw the ball to him right now, which is an extension of the run game if they see the corner for the Los Angeles Rams playing too far off, giving too much cushion. So there's a myriad of ways that you are going to see Jamar Chase have the ball in his hands and not just the proverbial good old-fashioned, he runs a hitch, he runs a slant, he runs a comeback, and Burrow just throws him the ball that way. You know, I've asked a lot of people this week when we're talking about the Super Bowl who is uh, the most important non-quarterback player in this game. And I keep getting people answering with offensive players. Isn't there a chance that the most impactful player could be on the defense on other side, uh, especially on the Ram side with Aaron Donald? Oh, yeah, Aaron Donald's definitely got to play a big part in this game because I believe that if the Cincinnati Bengals can protect Joe Burrow, if they can protect him, 
I think the Cincinnati Bengals have a much better chance of winning this game than a lot of people are giving them credit for. Because right. if you go over there and you put Jalen Ramsey on a Jamar Chase, okay, well, who's going to stop T. Higgins? Who's going to stop Tyler Boyd? Who's going to stop uh, uh, my man Joe Mixon out of the backfield? Because of the defense for the Rams, the weakest unit on their defense, where they do not have an all-pro, a stud, a Pro Bowl-level caliber player, is the linebacker position where they're going to have to cover Joe Mixon out of the backfield. I believe when you look at the weapons across the board for Cincinnati on, on Joe Burrow's side of the ball, on the offense side of the ball, I think it rivals the Los Angeles Rams. They don't have the names that the Los Angeles Rams have. But when you look at the production, T. Higgins had over 1,000 yards this year. You got Tyler Boyd, a slot receiver, doing very well. You got Scotty Miller. He's another guy. Caught a touchdown against the Kansas City Chiefs. Joe Burrow has a number of weapons. So that's why I believe Aaron Donald, it's going to come down to him. He's got to put pressure on Burrow because if they are able to protect Burrow, I'll say it again. If they are able to protect Burrow, I believe Cincinnati has a very good chance at winning this game with the offensive output that they will put up on the scoreboard. You think Joe Burrow hits the ground? He, he has to run a little bit? I, I'm giving you betting numbers because obviously I'm going to bet, and the audience is intrigued by this stuff, and we have a couple of books in town who have like 500-plus proposition bets. The over-under rushing for Joe Burrow is 10.5 yards, and you know last – Last time out, he had a scoot on uh, take a the over. Thir- yeah. Definitely. Okay, take that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Take the over okay. on that one. Uh, right. I will also Escape say this. I will also say this. Tennessee Titans sacked Joe Burrow nine times. So if I was just going to go ahead and put the over under at nine and a half sacks for the Los Angeles Rams, <laughs> I definitely would go with the under because, right. yes, we all know the Rams have a ferocious pass rush. There is no doubt about that. We, we all can see that. But I do not think the Rams are going to sack Joe Burrow more than nine times, even though they have a better pass rush than the Tennessee Titans. And everybody wants to do these projections where they try to compare and contrast and things like that and basically play the game out in their mind or on a chalkboard. I don't think that the Rams are going to get to Joe Burrow nine times. I do think that Joe Burrow is probably going to hit the deck at least a couple times. There's no doubt about that because that's the weakest part of their offense and that's the strongest part of the Rams defense. So, yes, Joe Burrow is going to hit the deck. But to your point, to your question, Steve, he's going to have more than 10 yards rushing, I believe. And I also believe it's going to be less than nine sacks by the Rams defense. Goofy question, but uh, my answer is probably different than yours. I know you're a former player, but what's the biggest thing for you during this Super Bowl? The game, the commercials, or the halftime show? Oh, wow. I mean, I can't say all three <laughs> because I, I, know, I, take, right? uh, I take joy in all of them. Like, I remember uh, – but, number one, I'm a player. So, like I said, I can do without the commercials and the halftime. But if you were just to show me the commercials and the halftime and do away with the game, I would be a very unhappy camper. But, yeah. uh, but nonetheless, I cannot sit up here and try to diminish – or try to sit up here and downgrade the importance and also just the uh, the spectacle level of the commercials of the halftime uh, of of the halftime uh, 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 show and things like that. And I'll say this: I remember last year. I'll say this on air right now. I remember last year. It was during the the national anthem, uh, or yes, I believe it was the national anthem, and it was Eric Church, and it was I believe it was her that were performing the national anthem last year. Yep, Eric yep. Church came out. In a purple, uh, in a purple uh, suede jacket, 
And I remember I saw that and I thought that was just phenomenal. So, guys, I can tell you, just to make a long story short, <laughs> within a month after the Super Bowl, I had that same purple suede jacket oh, nice. uh, hanging in my hanging in my closet. So I can't sit up here and just basically say that, you know, nothing of the Super Bowl. I love every aspect of it because there's something I can take away from every aspect. So I'll be glued from beginning to end no matter what. Let me get your take before we get you out of here on a couple of Raiders stories. First of all, what do you think of Rich Bisaccia finally settling on the Packers to be their special teams coach? Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Obviously, the Packers, that's one thing that was their Achilles heel this past season. It was special teams. We all remember the block punt that the 49ers got, which led to a touchdown, which put them right back into the game and actually ultimately helped them, propelled them to win the game. I mean, for crying out loud, didn't even score an offensive touchdown and beat the Green Bay Packers at home. So, yeah, I thought that was a good landing spot. Uh, I definitely thought that he did a good enough job for the Las Vegas Raiders this past season due to all the distractions and overcoming all of that. I felt like he deserved a stronger look at being a potential head coach going forward where you take the interim tag off of him. But obviously, Mark Davis made his decision in Josh McDaniels, and I support that. But yeah, I think uh, Rich Bisaccia going to the Green Bay Packers, special teams coordinator, I think that's a fine move for him. I think that's a great landing spot. Did you like uh, swapping out Gus Bradley to the Colts, who, by the way, the Raiders are going to have to face, but for Patrick Graham from the Giants, who seems like more of a, a multiple look guy on defense as a defensive coordinator? Yeah, and I think that when you're going against a Pat Mahomes and a Justin Herbert within the AFC West, you're going to have to be a little bit more multiple. You're not going to be able to be so vanilla. You've got to find a way to confuse them. You've got to make sure that whenever they snap the ball, it is not the same look that they had pre-snap. You've got to get in his head. You've got to make him go ahead and stop. You've got to make him stutter. You have to make him go ahead and hesitate because that's when you're able to go ahead and now – get to the quarterback because for that split second, he's trying to figure out what's going on with those safeties back there. Are they moving? And with Gus Bradley, obviously we all know he was a part of the Legion of Boom. He was the architect of that to some degree. And it was all based on players and not scheme. They just ran a lot of cover three, maybe a little quarters, very little cover two. And he bought that same mindset to the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think to me, because the Raiders don't have the same type of dogs that you had with an Earl Thomas, a Cam Chancellor, a Bobby Wagner, all of those guys over there for Seattle for the number of years, you're not going to be able to just sit there, call a blanket vanilla coverage, and let it turn out to be as successful as it was for the Legion of Boom. I think that you're going to have to be a little bit more multiple. You're going to have to count on confusing the quarterback, making sure that you do not give him the same look twice, things like that, for the Las Vegas Raiders to be successful on the defense side of the ball. So I definitely understand the move of getting a, a Graham as a defensive coordinator now. That was a great spot, Stanford. We appreciate it. Enjoy the game. Thank you. You guys be good. I'll talk to you next week. There he is. Stanford Rad on next week to uh, wrap up the game. All our football conversations this week down Radio Row and on the phones are brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Battleborn understands those tactics and insurance companies use to try and reduce the amount of money they pay to accident and injury victims and how to quickly and aggressively negotiate with these companies and maximize your recovery and keep you out of court. 570-9000 is the number. It's a free consultation. Justin Watkins, Matt Hoffman. Call Battleborn today or whenever you need them, 570-9000. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and company on ESPN Las Vegas. 
Great show lined up today by uh, Ari and then uh, Jared down on Radio Row. It's time to go back down to L.A. Radio Row and check in with a football expert for ESPN, former exec with the Jets and the Dolphins. Mike Tannenbaum is standing by. Mike, tell us, what is the 33rd team? The 33rd team is a platform where coaches and GMs between opportunities get together with uh, really smart grad students, and we put out content that kind of takes you behind the scenes. So guys like Doug Peterson and Dan Quinn and Bill Polian, Joe Banner, amongst 50 others, um, have discussions, and we put out our content for free on the 33rdteam.com. That's awesome. I saw that you mentioned uh, Doug Peterson. You just mentioned him here, but I saw that you mentioned him on ESPN. How do you think he's going to come out of you know the time off working with you guys? And obviously there's some pressure here to uh, get Trevor Lawrence going in the right direction. Oh, I think he's going to crush it. Uh, here's a guy that's won a Super Bowl. He's taken a year to evaluate things. And I think him and Trevor Lawrence are a perfect match. And if I'm a Jaguar fan, uh, I have reasons to be truly excited. Did the Raiders blow it by not hiring Doug Peterson? I like what Josh McDaniel said at his press conference, talked about all the things that he could have done better. Uh, and that's a great, great sort of attributes of what a leader is. And uh, I was, I like to watch those press conferences I thought he did a great job. How do you think the Raiders are going to build? Like, should guys like Derek Carr, Max Crosby, any other high-dollar guy? You know, the Patriots, outside of Brady, really never, you know, broke the bank to keep, uh, you know, guys around. Guys like Crosby especially, should they be worried that, hey, you know what, that money, that $17 million plus ain't going to be there with these guys? Well, I would say that, you know, Josh knows what a good football player looks like, and um, I don't see how they're a better team when the Max Crosbys of the world walk out, so – I'm sure they're going to keep that nucleus together. There's a really strong nucleus in Vegas, and uh, that cupboard was not bared by any stretch. How do you view the Raiders as an organization? Because obviously the, the the owner is a, a massive deal. I just I wonder how people around the league view Mark Davis. Well, I would say this. I think he got it right. I think he got two talented guys and Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, and I think he's going to stay out of the way. And, you know, from an ownership standpoint, that's all you could ask is, you know, give your resources and let good people go ahead and do their jobs. Mike Tannenbaum with us, working with ESPN, a former exec in the National Football League. Uh, how about the discussion around the Raiders with uh, some of the troubles their players had in town? We just saw Alvin Kamara, you know, in some sort of, uh, you know, alleged brawl. Um, how do you look at the Raiders in terms of team building? Do they have to go into the draft with a little extra eye on character? I think so, but I think, uh, you know, uh, there was a late, great college basketball coach, John Chaney, who did a great job over at Temple, and one of the things he used to do is he used to have practices at 5 a.m., and look, I'm not suggesting that <laughs> Josh McDaniel start practices at 5 a.m., yeah. but I think you get the right football character, guys, and look, you know, a lot of eyeballs are going to be put on things like, you know, the tragedy with Henry Ruggs, justifiably, but there was a lot of good people in that building that did a lot of good things. And that team got better. That team made the playoffs. And there was a lot of good development going on. So I know Alva Kamara, um, Henry Ruggs, they're going to get the headlines. But that doesn't mean you can't have a successful team. Look, I live, went to law school in New Orleans. There's a lot of distractions there. Yes. You can still have a great team there as well. Yeah. Um, did you think that Rich Basaccia deserved the job in Las Vegas or somewhere else? You know, a permanent head coaching gig. I did. I thought he did an amazing job, and um, I was really, really impressed by how he was able to lead an unbelievable sort of group of men, despite what happened, you know, multiple times 
during the course of the year. And I think you kind of have to go by what you see. And, and they played a team that's now in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, they stood toe-to-toe in a heavyweight fight. And uh, I think Coach Passaccia deserves a lot of credit. Derek Carr's coming up on another long-term deal. So you're probably looking at $32 million, $35 million for four or five years. What would you do with Carr? Would you try to flip him? Would you try to upgrade a bit with Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers? What do you do at quarterback? Yeah, that's a tough one for me because I think he reminds me a lot of a guy I had in Chad Payton, a really solid quarterback, but not a great quarterback. And you're going against greatness in Herbert and Mahomes. So that's a tough one for me. I think he's a really solid quarterback that you can win a lot of games with. Don't know if you can win a championship with him. You uh, you said you like the GM head coach combo. Was there a uh, a combo around the league? You know, a new combination that you liked even more than McDaniel's and Ziegler? Favorite hire? You know, one one that really intrigues me is Kevin O'Connell. Kevin played for us at the Jets. He used to sit in on draft uh, on game plan meetings with Rex Ryan because he could design blitzes. And Rex told me he was the smartest player he ever coached. So I'm really intrigued to see what kind of job Kevin does as a head coach starting next week for the Vikings. Mike Tannenbaum up on ESPN Las Vegas, down on Radio Row. Uh, one last thing on the the coaching and the GM and all that stuff. Why did it t- – I mean, you talked to a lot of people around the league. What was going on in Houston? Why did it take so long for uh, Easterby and Casario to, to finally land with Lovey? Yeah, I'm not sure. That, that's, that's a hard one for me. Uh, I think they got it right. I like Lovey. I don't think Josh McCown should start as a head coach. So that, yeah. that was a little bit of a uh, sort of like – that was an odd one for me, guys. So uh, I think they got it right. It probably took a little bit longer than necessary, but, um, you know, all's well that ends well, right? Will Brian Flores ever be a head coach in the NFL again? He deserves, you know, he did a good job, you know, back-to-back winning seasons, good record against Coach Belichick. We'll see what happens here. Obviously, I'm sure when he filed the lawsuit, he knew that, you know, there's going to bring some stickiness to it. But, um, you know, his record says, you know, he definitely deserves another chance. We don't need to talk bribe allegations, but – from from the owner Stephen Ross to Flores, like who's right in that situation about tanking for whoever? Well, I, again, they had organizational alignment of you know they moved on from some players, they cleaned up the cap. Um, you know, I work for Steve Ross. He was very competitive when I was there, so my experience with him, you know, he was trying to do everything but tank. Uh, let's get set up for the game here before we let Mike Tannenbaum uh, move on to uh, many conversations today on Radio Row, and we appreciate his time. Um, in your mind, who is the best quarterback from that 2020 draft? Is it Burrow, Tua, or Herbert? Oh, I think it's going to be Justin Herbert long-term. I love Joe Burrow, but I think Herbert's athleticism and ability is really, really rare. Um, and I think Burrow and Herbert are going to go down as great, great quarterbacks. Has Burrow surprised you? Uh, a little bit, you know, and I thought the knee injury would have slowed him down from a mobility standpoint. Um, he's done a really nice job, and uh, look, they have a chance to win because of how well he's playing right now. Why is Burrow so good? I think he has rare mental toughness. You you should never get sacked nine times on the road in a playoff game and win, <laughs> and I think he just deserves a ton of credit for that. Is uh, Zach Wilson, does he have any chance to be close to any of those three guys? I like Zach Wilson. I think he has a chance to be a good player. Um, this is a really important offseason. He needs to get stronger. Um, I don't know if he'll be in the class of Burrow and Herbert, but I think he has a chance to be a good starting NFL quarterback. This is going to sound like a, a dopey question or a dopey comment, but tackling is really big in this game. And I, I know I noticed that you tweeted out about yak for both teams. Obviously, you, you have to get guys like Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase down early. Yeah, no, it's going to – fundamentals – the bigger the game, the more important fundamentals are. I believe that. And turnovers and penalties will be consequential in this game. Last one. Uh, are you liking the media so far? 
Yeah, it's been great. It's a great platform. Uh, I haven't lost a game in a couple of years. And I still get to stay close to the game. You like doing studio or games more? Uh, you know, I really enjoy doing games yeah. more more than I thought. So, uh, you know, look, ESPN's great, been great. Big, big platform. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, we uh, we get your games, uh, the ESPN feed out here, and you, I think you're really good on the games. So, uh, congrats on a, a seamless transition. And like you said, no more losses. So, Dick Vitale used to all say right. that all the time. Thank you, Mike. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Mike Tannenbaum, nice enough to join us former exec with the Jets and the Dolphins. Great place to watch SB 56. This weekend is Silver 7s. If you get there 1 to 3.30, you can earn 77 points playing with your A-play card. You get a big game shirt uh, throughout the game. Bottled beers, a Bud, Bud Light, Make Ultra, 77 cents. They got a hot dog and beer special. It's actually two hot dogs, two bag of chips. 22-ounce draft of Bud, Bud Light, McUltra, just seven seventy-seven, And, of course, you got the William Hill Racing Sportsbook there offering more than 900 ways to bet the game, including live in-play wagering. There's also a $100,000 parlay card contest, which is just 5 bucks to play. You pick the winning side of 15 tri- uh, props, and you can win big. For the information, go to williamhill.us. William Hill, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. JBT up in 30 seconds. Let's do a quick giveaway here. One of our great prizes of the week. Two tickets to Nine Inch Nails. Caller 7 364 364-1100, September 15th show, Zappos Theater, Planet Hollywood. Tickets on sale as of today, so you can get your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Nine Inch Nails, Planet Hollywood. Ari's got them for you. Call her 7364-1100. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. Super Bowl's here. Uh, it's, you know, it's like a really big buildup, and then it's like one game, and then after that, I feel like I have nothing else. But, uh, but no, I'm excited. With? Pre-game bets and then in-game bets. How many think? Uh, how many bets do you think you'll have? Uh, like t- like twelve, like twelve, okay. something around there. Like all you right. know, and not for a bunch, but you know, like so the props, pre-game, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think twelve is about the safe number. Uh, do I go with the Rams on Super Bowl Sunday at minus four, or do I go with the Rams on Super Bowl Sunday at minus one fifteen? So because <laughs> um, the money the money line is always an awesome topic with so many people walking up to the counter and going, you know what, I want the Rams to win. Okay. Well, here's the thing, actually. So it's it's usually the inverse, right? So it's yeah. it's that folks are coming up and they're just betting the underdog. The, the underdog money line is always a popular wager. You know, we talked to Chris Andrews at the South Point earlier today on my show in Beeston, uh, the Edge with Matt Humans, and you know he just he, he's just taking Bengals money the entire yeah. time. People are coming up and taking that plus price. So what that means is, if you like the Rams, you're getting cheap price on the money line and. Well, the initial better might look at it and go, you know, minus 185. What are you talking about? Well, this could get to as low as $1.75, $1.70. Mm. And for those who are wondering, at about a four-point spread, your money line should be just over $2. It should be a little over one to two and not this cheap. So it's it's always a really good opportunity for betters out there. If you like the Rams, if you want to bet them just straight up, just sit back and wait until Sunday because you're more than likely going to get like minus 170 on the money line here, and that's way off what it should be with the point spread like this. I sounded like a novice there, and I actually work behind the counter, and we talk about this every year. Um, I wish I had millions of dollars. I, I wonder if I could win more than Mattress Mac. <laughs> Stop. Hey, hey, look, hey, we what's have to remind on, everybody. What's going on with the Mattress guy from Houston? 
Well, it's the same thing. I think he's got over like I think I got to double check. I think it's over ten million dollars uh, in terms of uh, a wager here. Uh, but it's all a setup, right? It's the same exact thing. Uh, he's got something tied to this in terms of a promotion. So he's just hedging it out and making sure that he's going to be fine in terms of, you know, if the side that he needs, I think it's the Bengals to win. Uh, then if somebody buys $3,000 or more worth of mattress and or recliner and, you know, chair stuff, uh, that they get it for free. So <laughs> he's just tied to the promotion. And it doesn't annoy me as much as it used to. I do think one of the things that kind of irks me is, you know, sports gambling media is now becoming more prevalent. I think those sports gambling media networks, uh, including our own, should do a better job of not presenting it as a guy who's going out there and firing away because I think people get the wrong idea in terms of sports betting and that it's all just big bucks and let's go and let's go fire like Mattress Mac is. When in reality, he's not risking anywhere near as much, even though the number is so big, as somebody who would come up and bet like $500, let's say, uh, in the scale of what they make and what they have. So I just think it should be presented as how it is, which is... It's tied to a promotion. He's essentially giving himself an insurance policy, free ad, all these things, and it's not exactly a wager, and I, I feel like it should be presented like that. John Von Tobel getting us ready for a big game, super whatever, 56. Uh, of course, he works yeah. at VEASAN. He does a show Monday to Friday at uh, 1 o'clock, The Edge, and he also does a, a Sunday show. Uh, is that continuing after football season, the Sunday show? Uh, it, 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 uh, a different version of it might. Uh, there okay. are talks about something that I cannot officially say, but uh, might, no secrets. Still. No secrets. Don't reveal anything. Um, all right. Matt Stafford. I was just looking at the number 278 and a half for passing yards. I mean, you got to play under here, right? That, that's a big number. I'm over. I'm in. What? I'm on the over. Yeah, I do think that, uh, and I think you're, you're being sorry. You're being somewhat sarcastic here. Uh, I like, I think, um, <laughs> facetious might be the better term. Yes. Um, like, um, when it comes to Stafford and the Rams, Steve, like I, I just get the sense that when you were to ask anybody, hey, what kind of a team are the Rams on offense? I think most would come back with a running team, and that's not the case. If you look at what this team has done all season long, they have been a dynamic passing attack and an aggressive passing attack at that. Matthew Stafford right now is tied for sixth among quarterbacks in terms of throws 20 or more yards downfield. His average depth of target is nine yards downfield. He's actually really solid. If you look at the PFF numbers and just basic completion percentage numbers, throw intermediate throws 10 to 19 yards downfield and throws 20 or more yards downfield. It's two of the best areas of the field for him as a passer. And you get now the Bengals coming into this with one of the worst secondaries in the National Football League. 31st in air yards allowed, 25th in yards after catch allowed. I just think this is setting up for the Rams offense to do what they've been doing all year long and for Matthew Stafford to do what he's been doing all year long. So I, I like Stafford over this passing yards. And that's, by the one the lowest one in the market. Uh, it was stations that had 278.5. So right out here in Vegas, you can go out and bet that over if you like. But uh, that's always the important part, right? Shop around. So if you like a prop, you can probably find a better number than the one you're looking at if you look at most spots. But I like them over the passing yardage. You're going to play some first sack props? Yeah, and this is just kind of playing against the market. So Aaron Donald's really good. And I think I was really surprised when we saw the other day that the, the voting for defensive player of the year, the fact that oh we got God. fewer votes than Micah Parsons is, is ridiculous. Um, and he deserves to be the favorite in a lot of markets. But what I think is I'm playing against here, Aaron Donald is really good at what he does, but his is about pressure, disrupting the pocket and disrupting the play, not so much just out like just outright sacks. And so when you look at this prop market and you realize that, hey, you know, Aaron Donald is plus 250 in this market to get the first sack when, you know, well, he should be the favorite. Should he be that much of a favorite? So I'm going to go with the guys who are brought there for a reason to get these cleanup sacks because Aaron Donald does so much. Right. If you look at all of the guys that are on this market list, I think guys like Leonard Floyd are a pretty good shot in the range of about six to one or so. Von Miller at four to one as well. The two guys that are just going to be out there able to 
benefit from the pressure that Aaron Donald's going to bring. So I'm just playing against Donald being, I think, a little bit of an inflated favorite of that market and taking the two guys next home. Always a lot of fun with the cross-sports props. Uh, I knew you'd be all over these tying in the NBA. Uh, Matt Stafford against James Harden. What happens now with this bet? Uh, that's taken off the board. Uh, okay. So that's that's a refund, and uh, that you know those are because so, he's not Super he's Book not and, playing tonight. And there right, is he's no not game playing Saturday, tonight. Sunday. Probably not going to play tomorrow. And even if he did, he changes teams, right? So then, of course, uh, the wording on it that, that gets uh, that gets taken off. So a game or excuse me, a prop like that would not count. Stafford, Evan Mobley, Joe Burrow, Darius Garland. So these are so these are pretty cool. Like I like like for example the Joe Burrow one. So it's Joe Burrow completions plus one and a half over Darius Garland points and assists. And one of the reasons why you know I, I was looking at this prop was it, it, it's it's the matchup as well. Like Garland and, and Mobley both on the Cavaliers. They're playing the 76ers tomorrow, and that's the game that's being used for this prop. But the the reason why I thought this one against uh, Burrow and Garland was interesting because Garland actually has been hurt very recently and in fact today he did not play because of this back issue that has been bothering him now the 76ers game tomorrow is really important right these are two teams that are floating around in that four five range this these series because they have three games left to play uh, could you know settle who's going to get home uh, home court in that series so i would expect that garland plays tomorrow but is it on a minutes restriction is he at full health all these things and so that kind of factored into me looking at this and looking at burrow and thinking well I think the Rams are going to have a solid day offensively. I think Burrow and the, the Bengals are already a pass-first attack. They're not going to run the ball that much. They're going to have to try to keep up with Los Angeles. So Burrow plus one-and-a-half completions versus Garland points and assists. Kind of want to tie in that. And, by the way, what also helps in my favor, Karis LeVert being a Cleveland Cavalier really helps because he's going to take away some of that scoring from Darius Garland. So I think that really works. And on the flip side, right, uh, Matt Stafford completions minus two-and-a-half. I already gave you my spiel on Stafford and how good I think he's going to be in this game. Well, Mobley is going to have to face up with Joel Embiid, right? Joel Embiid, who's a dynamic rebounder, who's going to take away some of those rebounds from him, and also a really good defender in that area of the floor, which Mobley thrives, which is like that floater range, 4 to 14 feet. So uh, that's what tied into those two. I, those are two really intriguing ones, and I'll throw one more at you really quickly. Evan McPherson, plus 2.5 against Joel Embiid free throws made. Uh, McPherson, he's been they've been throwing him out there for everything. He's averaging 12 points per game in the uh, postseason. It's been nuts how often they've thrown him out there to kick field goals. Uh, Joel Embiid averages nine free throws made per game. And this is one of the best defenses in guarding without fouling. So I think it would be a pretty intriguing spot to back McPherson there. Last minute here, was there a winner or a loser in the Simmons-Harden swap? It it depends on what what Harden you get. And I know you're a Harden stand like me. Uh, I, I I think we're getting a little crazy on like cooking Harden and saying that he's done. He was an MVP candidate last year through the thir- first 33 games with Brooklyn. He was absolutely incredible. Yes, like I, it sucks because I like him as a player and what he's been doing in terms of kind of pounding on the court doesn't really help in terms of his fan, like how I like him as a guy, it seems. But at the end of the day, he's a really good player. And there's a reason why Philadelphia is now ahead of Brooklyn in terms of, at least at some shops, winning the NBA Finals. They should be. And if they get hardened from last year, I mean, the Eastern Conference better watch out because these are two of the best players in the NBA on a team together. Last 10 seconds, did you already have a title bet for the Sixers? Now, you know, it's, it's great value now that it dropped so much. No, I didn't have anything. I didn't really like them at all. I didn't think they were going to make this deal either. I have the Suns at 7-1. to one. That's the one I like the best because they're now down to like 4-1 to one to win it. John, you're the best, man. Thank you. Good to talk to you, man. Thank you. At me, JVT. He's got uh, NBA news and notes every single morning, so you got to check in with him. Uh, his spot today is brought to you by our friends at Superbook Sports. We're going to be live on Sunday, our Sunday football preview show from 10 a.m. to noon with uh, Willie and Candy and myself. They're going to have multiple parties down there. And you want to take a close look at all those you know, uh, sports props, those cross-sports props that uh, 
they're going to be offering. There's overall 469 unique props. So uh, Superbook Westgate for the massive, super ginormous 56 game coming up on Sunday. Five o'clock hours on the way. We're going to hook up with uh, UNLV legend, sports broadcasting star Kenny Maine in just a couple of minutes.